Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, as well as hitting the like button and the notification bell so you never miss a video. If you prefer audio format, search Gifted Performance on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting service and subscribe today. Make sure you also rate and review the podcast as that helps us out tremendously. Enjoy the podcast and stay gifted. Welcome back, guys. Another episode of the GPP, the Gifted Performance Podcast, giving you the knowledge, practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. Joined today by another special guest, Mr. Chris Tuttle. Chris, how you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Yourself? I, uh, I'm on the mend. I'm recovering. Dom, how are you feeling? Up at 3.30 this morning to drive to, <laughs> to the great city of Pittsburgh. Uh, how long did it take you? Uh, it's like four and a half from Detroit, so it wasn't too bad. Oh, that's not – yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. I remember making that drive. That's what, seven hours for us? Seven hours? Six hours? From Pittsburgh to Connecticut when we were there? Yeah. Dom is actually currently trying to go for the uh, coaching world record, which is putting how many people on stage in how many days? Next Saturday, it'll be 25 showings in three weeks. Oh. 25. And that's not like, I feel like guys do that all the time with like bikini girls. They'll bring like like 40 bikini girls to the same show. This is like bodybuilders, physique, classic physique, masters, bikini. This is everybody Everything. across the board. What? What uh, what what has been the best and the worst part of that for you? That's stressful. Well, I mean, yeah, it's stressful. And then I moved into my new house last week, so oh, yeah, added that on top of all this. So, but uh, now now we're moved in, so everything's kind of groovy now. But it's definitely stressful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I put my cap on seven people per weekend. No more than seven people competing per weekend. I don't want to have any part in it. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I think the worst that I did was I did five in a weekend, the same weekend that I was competing. So we were all doing the same show that I was also doing. So coaching myself through that and coaching all these other people that are hanging out in my hotel room with me while I'm trying to get myself right. I learned my lesson. Learn my lesson. You got to do the dumb stuff to learn. That just just means that you're not the priority. It's like (laughs) you're the father. You're the father and these are your children. You know, it's like you got to take care of yourself, but they're all the priority first. So before we get into our topic of the day, which is most definitely a doozy after watching um, some of Chris's most recent videos that he posted on his Instagram about, you know, priorities around competing, about life and all that. Chris, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself to everyone, people who may not know who Chris Tuttle, IFBB Pro, RD master coach extraordinaire actually is so how did you get into bodybuilding all right so i'll keep this real brief um i raced motocross my whole life um and i started uh training for motocross with like a crossfit style training that this motocross trainer had me do my body responded very well visually to it and that's what sparked my interest around seventh grade into bodybuilding but i couldn't bodybuild because bodybuilding and motocross is like trying to be a sumo wrestler and then also trying to run a marathon, right? You I, you got to be very small, agile, and have high endurance for motocross. So when I finished racing motocross, I wanted to bodybuild. And then that's what really also sparked my interest in exercise science and exercise and learning more. Then I started to realize 
nutrition is even a bigger aspect of any nutrition-related or athletic goal. So I started to change my major from exercise science to nutrition. And when I finished racing motocross, I got right into bodybuilding and continued to study nutrition at school. You know, did the whole undergrad, master's, my internship, got my RD, and started bodybuilding when I was 2005, right after I finished. I turned professional racing motocross. Coincidentally, my birthday, May 23rd, 2020, 2004. And then from there, started bodybuilding ever since. But that's where kind of like my really my love for nutrition training kind of blended through me trying to be a better athlete for motocross and then me wanting to learn more and more about it. Just because I'm always curious when people have the background, the educational background in nutrition, how, how, how well put together was your nutrition program that you graduated from? Dom and I talk about this a lot where what we feel we learned in our nutrition programs was was very clinical in nature. And then what we use from that today is kind of far removed from what we were taught. Is that a similar experience to you that you a, had? A hundred percent, except the master's in nutrition was, I think, the most eye opener because how my master's program worked was it was obviously mostly research based where everybody in the uh, class had a topic that we had to do this crazy presentation and paper on and review of research. And then we present it and then we have to be tested on everybody else's presentation of what they found. No, for example, nutrition related to alcoholism is taking multivitamins and antioxidants, the same thing as getting it from food with people with cancer and mortality, morbidity. So it's like seeing all these things and people coming together and actually seeing the research starts to open your eyes, realizing that just because a study says something doesn't mean it's true. It just means this is what the study provided evidence of or lack thereof. I think it's really been eye-opener for me because it's I can easily call bullshit when there's bullshit. Or I can easily call bias when there's bias because there's a ton of that in our bodybuilding industry where, oh, no, you have to do this. Oh, you have to do that. I just know those people are full of shit. So like you know, when, when it comes to that type of um, scenario, I think it's more of – the master's program made me think way outside the box and start to look at everything from all angles versus just shutting something out based on my lack of knowledge. <clears throat> Sounds like a really valuable project, Dom. Did you have anything? Uh, did you have anything like that in your program? Um, no, not really. We were because my thing was so physiology based. Um, my masters, our, so our stuff was super like, you know, there's concrete mechanisms to everything. That there's not really if and ors about it. Um, mine was really cellular based, so I didn't really experience stuff like that. And like my masters program only had one nutrition course in it. But uh, it, and that was pretty standard stuff. Yeah, well, you know what's uh, funny? One of the uh, when I took sports nutrition in my masters, I actually did it on growth hormone and effects on growth hormone and athletics, and I was able to do that. Um, and that was interesting because now it's like application of what might you know what we do and what goes on in the industry. It's like wow, what what, what does this stuff really do, and how does it affect you nutritionally? And all this stuff. So that was also very interesting. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I was say. That, that, was uh, my, that was where I missed out. The IRB will never approve kind of studies that like we would be mostly interested in, like how these things affect uh, you know nutritional uptake directly or you know a combination of things. Uh, 
just because obviously for safety reasons. Tom, Tom, you've got 150 clients. You don't need an IRB. You can fund your own study. Send send the supplements out and start collecting data, sir. The time is now. <laughs> no, I think that was one thing that I really regret in that same class, that sports nutrition class. It was like I had, you know, other students that were presenting on like growth hormone and like these cutting edge supplements. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do glutamine. And that was probably the most boring presentation <laughs> report that I've ever written in my life was on this four hour presentation that I gave on freaking glutamine. So if I could go back, I would have chosen anything else, anything else other than that. <laughs> I know. I, I, my teacher was cool. Like she, she allowed us to do like, you know, when we presented our topic we wanted to do, she'd be like, well, what are you trying to learn from this? Like, how do you think people are going to gain knowledge from this and understanding? So she was very open to topics and a lot of people had some very good topics in the group. Um, so that was nice. One of them was BCAs on, you know, Olympic athletes and cyclists. So this was, this was going back to like 2008 before BCAs and EAs were a huge thing, you know? <clears throat> yeah. All right. <clears throat> let's, let's dive into today's topic. So Chris, the reason we, we, we asked you to come on here was to talk a little bit more, expand upon, um, one of your most recent videos that you post, I think it's like fourth or fifth down on your page now about kind of that balance between competition and your career and your life and people who kind of lose, uh, grips on that. What we're going to do is we're going to link the video down below, but Chris, I was curious to ask you what kind of, what kind of motivated you? What, what was it that like, triggered you there to make, to record that video? Was there a specific event or it was just something that had been on your mind? When something starts to become reoccurring constantly with clients, um, I have to say something to try to change people's perspective. Um, and the thing about balance is everybody has a different idea of what balance is to them. Right. But one of the things that I see constantly in bodybuilding is the over, complication and obsessiveness of and even that takes action that people take that don't equate to any extra results right so it's like you're burning your mind out you're spending your mind obsessing about these things overthinking things which if you're overthinking you're obsessing you're not living in the moment you're not paying attention to your quality of life outside of bodybuilding the gym nutrition and you're putting all this effort, mental effort, energy forth that's not going to equate to results, which eventually actually going to make you take a step backwards. And then it just makes you miss so much. Um, I mean, case in point, I think every single bodybuilder has fallen into that at some point or another. I remember going back uh, 2007 to 2009. It's like I lived, eat, breathed bodybuilding every second of my life. And there was just everything I did, everything I thought about. Did that equate to some massive results and gains? No. <laughs> if anything, I probably didn't make any gains from 2008 to 2009 uh, because you overcomplicate it. You burn out. It's just like you it you changes your personality. You part, become too serious. You lose your sense of humor. Um, and then the years that uh, – the last year uh, leading back in my last pro show that I did, I made the most gains I've made since Natty – you know, since beginning gains back in 2006 in six months – and I was still doing stuff with my wife. I was still going out to eat. I was still partaking in other fun activities outside of bodybuilding. My mind wasn't on bodybuilding all day long. Um, I was able to make gains. I felt great. And I had more balance in my life. And it goes to show that like, just because your mind is not obsessing about something every day all day doesn't mean you're not going to be able to make ground. 
Um, I just see so many people burn out. They come out, I want to be a professional. I want to do this, whatever it takes. And then eight months later, crickets. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, I got burnt out. Yeah, man, because you're, you're going full throttle all the time and your wheels are just spinning. It's like you can still be productive in bodybuilding in your life and everything else and still make ground. And then the other aspect of, is what people think they have to sacrifice to be a better bodybuilder. You don't need to sabotage your relationships. You don't need to sabotage your family. You don't need to quit your job. I've had clients quit their job to try to bodybuild them. It's like you need two jobs to bodybuild. Um, and people just lose sight and they become too infatuated with this fitness industry, which people don't understand the fitness industry is you're not going to make shit money from it unless you do something with an expertise, a service. Being awesome, number one, even on Olympia stage is not going to pay money for the rest of your life. It's kind of like uh, you're being a star you're being the star uh, defensive lineman. Like, what's their average light? What's their average expectancy in the NFL? Five, six years, seven years, and their body gets destroyed. So you got to play your cards right and be smart. Um, it's really it, that's kind of what sparked that. Dom, I think you. I think you and I have talked yeah, about this know, before. Where you, where you, where you've quantified, you know, how many hours a day you think it takes to be a high level bodybuilder. Like, how many hours? of your day should be consumed by the sport. What, what was that number that you it, settled three, on? Three, four, maybe. Yeah. Three, four hours a day, pretty much. You need an hour to train, an hour to cook, and then the rest of your day does not need to be consistently, constantly, you know, bodybuilding, bodybuilding. Um, Chris and I were talking about this topic uh, a couple weeks ago about – like younger kids, like around me that are really burning out, that they're going like, you know, full throttle, hundred percent, you know, ending up like with, you know, acute kidney injuries, like, you know, things that are just absurd to hear about at, at such a young age. And then the aspect of like, they, they, they do their prep, they're done with prep. And then they just completely hate bodybuilding now because they just spent two years every day, living, breathing, taking pictures, doing everything constantly just bodybuilding that now they're behind they have no serious job they have no path of schooling if that's what they want to go do and it's just sad to see at such a young age seeing that come up um even like with my younger guys that i coach like are 18 19 you know i always tell them like first things first you got to make sure you could pay for all of this you got to make sure that you're not going to get yourself to the point where you're going to have to maybe borrow money from your parents, you know, because competing is not cheap, but between NPC card, a tan, uh, you know, all that stuff. So even with them, I always tell them, like, take your time. The stage is always going to be there. Why not get yourself financially, you know, set and everything consistently coming in as an income and you're comfortable? You could still bodybuild during that entire process, but then that's when you can make a leap to competing because otherwise – you're going to see it just – you're going to see it ruin your life. Three hours is exactly the number I had in my mind as soon as he asked that. Three hours is about – what people don't understand is there's other aspects of the day that are important to nutrition that don't take up time, meaning getting your meals in on a consistent basis, going to sleep and getting up on a consistent basis, maybe refraining from like 
drinking and cocaine <laughs> and all these other that's drugs that one. people are people are doing in bodybuilding like that's also possibly something that you need to t- take into consideration um and i think one other aspect of i think young people or actually just any age people going to bodybuilding is there's certain things you do have to sacrifice to be a good bodybuilder in other words you can't go on an all weekend hiking trip only having a couple meals a day uh, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to go play pickup game basketball three times a week and bodybuild. The risk of injury, it's counterproductive to what you're trying to achieve. Gaining muscle is not that easy. So when you're trying to gain muscle, certain things kind of have to be taken a back burner or reduced to a degree. Um, that, I think that's one thing that people still think they can do. Still bodybuild, eat all your food, go hiking, go on these travel trips kayaking and basketball and all these recreational activities, which will just inevitably slow you down. Yeah. It's not a, uh, <clears throat> it's not a competition to see who can sacrifice the most pieces of their life. And ha- and then that's going to give you the rewards in the end. Like, Oh, you know, I divorced my wife and I, you know, left my job and that's why I'm Mr. Olympia because I was willing to get rid of all of that. And that's why I'm so great. It's not. It's not that extreme. It's it, that that ain't never, how it works. Never, never happens. It's funny. Is after I post that video, I actually had quite a few people reach out, and they say, "Yeah, I've learned the hard way. I've I've been divorced. Uh, I messed my job up." Or people are like, "I messed this up. I messed up. It was my life." He goes, "I'm older now. I regret it." So some people get bodybuilding is very consuming, and it will consume you, and it will and honestly will destroy your life if you let it. Uh, so you have to stay grounded. You have to stay rational. Um, and <laughs> with bodybuilding, I would say with opinions, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. You just got to be real, real careful on which opinion you listen to and which advice you take because you're going to get pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. I think that's a big one too with <clears throat> how, how clicky bodybuilding is like oh. the super, the super hardcore, like, no, you, Chris is wrong. You have to live, die, breathe. You can't miss a macro. You can't miss a gram for 10 years. Like there's that crowd. Then there's, you know, a crowd that's more, you can enjoy things outside of, you know, bodybuilding still and still be a good bodybuilder. Um, That's just where that constant tug and pull is. And then if you're somebody new coming in between all that, that's when you're going to be getting pulled either way. And I think that's one thing that like, for people who don't know much yet, that's one thing that you kind of have to look out for and you kind of have to go in open-minded because otherwise you might get pulled into the wrong crowd and eventually it might really hurt you. It's funny is you'll notice too, you always know which mentality of person somebody is based on which group they gravitate to, right? It's like when you see somebody work with this coach, you're like, oh, they just want to take a bunch of drugs. I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, or like, Oh, they're going over that group. Okay, that's what they identify with. You already know. You yeah. know? And, and some people are like, oh, does that ever bother you? That you know, I'm like, no, because those are people actually I don't want to work with. You know. On, on the opposite side of the kind of going too hard into prep, you made a comment in the video that really stuck out to me, and it was about the, the other side of the equation, which was people, you know, dropping out of prep and, you know, people being in the comments and supporting that and being like, Oh, you know, it's, 
it's so great that you're open enough to just drop out and like prioritize this over a competition and people just not being able to be headstrong enough to, to work through that. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about what you think is really is driving that behavior. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like there's so many theories, you know, just being a science guy, obviously some of the things I say is what I see, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what's true. So in regards to like societal changes and people's mentality, as far as work ethic, coping mechanisms, um, and insecurities, I, I don't, I can't identify what's occurring in our society today. It's not how I was brought up. It's not what I was, my mentality is about. So when I see a lot of people kind of like dive into bodybuilding, like say for their first show or their second show, and they're posting all these pictures and posting all their food and talking about how hardcore they are and they're going to win and they're training and posting these videos, these hard sets and doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, two, three weeks out, crickets or they're cheating on their meal plan in the middle of prep to a national show. It's like this persona you're trying to give off to people to let other people look at you how you want to be, but you're not actually that person. Um, this like fake falsehood of representation that people try to put off to gain like validity from other people and validation. I just, I, I, if they spent that amount of effort doing that with actually trying to be the person they want to be, they could probably actually succeed. I just, when I hear people cheat on their diet in their seasoned bodybuilder getting ready for a national show, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Like I, I can't even comprehend that. Like my mindset growing up, like when we first, like, you know, obviously different mentality today with how people prep, but when I used to prep back in the day, there was no cheat meals, no refeeds for 17 weeks. It was just flat out linear, lower food and more and more cardio. Like two hours of cardio was a normal thing, you know? So like when I see people like, oh, 30 minutes of cardio, I'm so tired. Oh my God, my carbs are 200. Like, oh, like, I, don't know if I, I don't know if my coach is going to give me a cheat meal or not. It's like I would have never in a million years ever asked Aceto for a cheat meal. I never asked Fakir for a cheat meal. I never complained of being tired. I just listened and followed directions and implemented it. All I wanted to do was win. I wanted to be the best possible to the point where I'd look at condiments sometimes. I'll be like, without them even telling me, I'll look at the bottom and be like, I might be using too much of this. I think I'm going to bring it down to like a teaspoon per meal because I'm so paranoid making sure everything's correct. I don't know where that was lost in this validation of this motivation of validation has become overriding of someone's true character of what they're trying to trying to be. I just can't identify with it. I don't understand why. I don't understand that's the focus. I just don't get it. And on top of which, people are using more and more chemicals today than ever to make up for all this. I just I mean, think about it. Back in the day when I first started bodybuilding. 750 megs of test and 300 megs of deco was a very common cycle for an off season, even for amateur bodybuilder. You know, it's like 30, 40 megs of D ball. Like that's what people run. Now people see that and they're like, Oh, is that a cruise dose? Was that cruise? <laughs> is that good first cycle? <laughs> yeah. This is, like oh, a, man. this is like a beginner teenage cycle. What is this? <laughs> you see, so, so one thing I always try to tell people uh, is, uh, me personally, I try to seek no validation from anybody because at the end of the day, I'm the only person that's going to believe in my work. Um, I don't really care what anybody else thinks about my work, whether they approve of it or not. It doesn't affect me or my client. So I always try to tell them, like, don't go seeking validation from other people because you're not going to hear what you want to hear all the time. 
And then that's what's really going to destroy you if you let that try to become what you're centering your whole career around. And then, you know, Instagram is the worst because it's just a highlight reel. Everybody only posts their best stuff. They only post all those things. And then they feed, you know, some people just feed off of like the comments, the likes, all of that stuff. But like, and then like Chris was saying, like two weeks out, they're cheating on their diet, but nobody knows any of that's going on because they don't share any of it. Yeah, it's, it's right. Highlight reel. Let's demonstrate to the world what we want people to see and only the good times and not the bad times. I had this conversation with somebody a while ago about bodybuilding. He's a good bodybuilder too. And who we were saying, man, now that I've been bodybuilding long enough, I realize that the vast majority of people are complete train wrecks and they don't have their life together. They, they live in a crappy apartment. They drive a crappy car or they drive a really nice car, crappy apartment, have no savings, have no health insurance, spend all their money on, you know, what they perceive to be being the gym, but they don't have their life together. And, um, that's just, that's just compounding the problem. But if people just focused more on what they need to do to become that person they want, everything in bodybuilding, as far as their progression rate would increase, they would start doing better. They'd start everything better. And people would recognize that more, you know, like people today, regardless of what anybody says, people recognize integrity. If you're a good person and you're working hard and you're not just overly trying to focus on validation from others and you're becoming and you are your own person, you're not bending your behavior to the likes of others, people notice that and you're going to move farther along just on that alone. <clears throat> yeah. You, you, you had a client um, or a friend. Uh, he's a pro. Uh, I forgot his name. Nick. I think it's Nick something. Um, he's like a really shredded, shorter dude. I think you turned him pro. He like sells watches and stuff. Nick Cavallari, Nick. It might Colorado. It, it might be. I don't. But he talks about it all the time. I've been following him since you posted him one time, and he always talks about like how these guys like live in like you know they spend all their money just on bodybuilding and have nothing else to their name. And um, and I always thought of that like wow, like that's such that's so true because of how many people I know personally that are like that now. And then they get out of bodybuilding and it's just like, oh shit, what, what do I do now? <laughs> Dude, that's another thing. Bodybuilding is a very small percent of your life. People don't get that. It's five to 10 years tops. That's it. You're done. So you got to look at one perspective of your future finances, two relationships, three, your, your financial and your career and four, your health. You don't want to be dead by the time you're 40 because you, you're just too impatient and you thought that just taking double this, double that was going to make a big difference. And it's not. And that's the unfortunate thing is a lot of young people see the seasoned people doing what we're talking about and thinking that, wow, that's going to get me everything I need. And it's not. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, a lot Cavalieri. of it is, is, <clears throat> yeah. is yeah. the Cavalieri, only reason that yeah. they – a lot of the reason that, you know, seasoned bodybuilders got to where they were is because they took it so casually when they first started and they enjoyed that early part of training and fostered that love for training and nutrition. And that's what allowed them to be so advanced at 10 years. It's like when you start with this obsessive, compulsive, every meal, every rep, every set at 16 years old. Like you said, Chris, you're you're a ticking time bomb. You got five years before you're like, screw this. Like this is this is just yeah. too much. I'm sick of it. 
Yeah, and like, and the thing about that, and it's like professionals is like, obviously, there's a huge genetic component and consistency involved. Um, and I mean, there's some professionals that are like that too, let's be honest. But a lot of professionals do have, you know, like Jay Cutler is a perfect example of him. He had a, everything going on all the way through. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was financially set the entire way. That's kind of the way you want to be. Branch Warren, the same way, you know, like, that's kind of like what people should focus on. Wow. Businesses, career, making sure all these are established ahead of time because bodybuilding is not going anywhere. And plus, sometimes focusing on other goals will help you stay grounded, not to act too irrationally, get too extreme in bodybuilding. Yeah. And I think that helped me a lot. Um, when I had first started working with you back in like 2018, I had gotten engaged and then, um, just like my life was just shifting. I was getting ready to get married. I had to focus on that, you know, make sure my income was solid for, you know, starting this new chapter in my life. And I think taking a step back from like, go, 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 go bodybuilding actually helped me so much more because I got to, you know, get really back into prepping and things like that. Now with a really established business, you know, other side career things I'm doing too. But like, I don't have, you know, now that's all set. And, you know, my last prep was, my last prep was really fun. Like I enjoyed every moment of it because I wasn't stressing about where my next mortgage was coming from, where my next, you know, gym membership payment was coming from or anything like that. Because I had taken a step back, you know, got all those things situated like I needed them to be. And then I was able to, you know, get back into everything and really enjoy it. When prep is fun, you get in shape way faster. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Way faster. Way faster. I can tell you. Wait, I, I get this all the time with people. And, uh, I tell people, like, oh, you know, I, I died last summer. I got shredded. I don't understand why this time is so difficult. I'm like, bro, because you're stressing. Like, do you know how many times I'll diet people for a photo shoot for a supplement contract or whatever? And they get peeled like this. And then as soon as you do a show, it's like sometimes pulling teeth, right? And one of my clients in Germany, this is great. He used to get a lot of anxiety about shows. And um, I finally just pulled his show date. I'm like, bro, give me the German schedule. I'm going to tell you when you're going to be ready, but we're going to compete between these months. I'm just going to, no date in mind. And dude, as soon as I pulled the date, dude starts getting in shape lightning fast. And I'm like, hey, bro, two weeks out, we're going to do a show in two weeks. He's like, all right, all right, let's go. And then he won. It's like some people that pressure of that pressure on them all the time to like, oh my God, am I holding water? Oh my God, am I stressing? Oh my God. It's like, dude, you're just making your prep harder. Being relaxed, having fun is how you get in shape super quick. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And like, uh, even with some clients I've done that, like where I know they have a hard time, I won't even tell them. I'll just be like, we're dieting. And then once it's close enough, then we'll pick a show because dude, that's the best. If you have that date, that date just like haunts them and just sits yep. over their head yep. the whole time. Yeah. And you know, and then you create the issue of, you know, if you have to push the show back, then it's like, oh, you know, I wasn't doing enough. I, I'm not ready. It maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's this. I don't know. But then, like, if the date's just not there, you don't even have to worry about it. Competing is such is so much more mental than people think it is. You can do everything you want. As far as nutrition, supplements, gear, training, if your mind is not where it needs to be, you're not going to look your best. It doesn't matter who your coach is. 
You know, unless that coach gives, you know, it's like the, the dog whisperer, but the bodybuilding whisperer, and it can get you back to mental ground, then it's going to work. But like, man, I see that a lot where people are just like, dude, your head's not in the game this year. What's going on? You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, this is going on. It, that's the aspect that people don't seem to, they seem to overlook. Yeah. And, and like, even when that happens, like I had a client this past year, he had a lot of stuff going on in his life. You know, has like a two-year-old son, has another kid on the way, has, you know, just bought a new house, all these things. And he just like couldn't diet. Like it was just, you know, he was a stress. He was just a ball of stress. I was like, dude, you don't have to compete this year. Like it's okay. I, I know. <laughs> this is not a good time. It's not a good time. I love when some you drop that are... on them and they act like it's some surprise. They're like, what? I don't, I don't have to compete. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. it's always going to be there for you. What I think is funny too is um, uh, about, about having compete. how some people, I, I get surprised, they'll have everything in their life in disarray and they're not stressed at all. It's like, wait, you just had a baby a week ago, a week out for the show? Yeah, everything's fine. I went to bed two hours early to make up for it. And I'm like, oh, you're not stressed? Good. And they just like float right through. Then you get somebody who's like, I had a flat tire and the whole week is a mess. You know, it's like, it's like coping mechanism and perspective, man. Perspective is everything. Some people just totally roll with the punches and some people just walk head first into the punches, you know? So Chris, I think you, I think you've made a couple points on uh, some of these videos that you've recorded as well around, you know, some people simply not being cut out to compete. And that's, I mean, that's hard pill for some people to swallow, especially with how popular competing has become. And, you know, some people just say like, why would I not be cut out to compete? So could you expand on that a little bit? Like who are yeah, these people a, that you talk about is, that just don't have it? This is a good topic. This is a good topic. Um, <laughs> for some reason, the fitness industry is something where, and I, listen, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. I'm saying this. I'm going to say it and explain it the best way I can. Fitness industry seems to be the industry where, Everybody or much more people think they can achieve a particular look in the physique across the board versus a different sport where someone goes, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm not tall enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. That looks intimidating. That looks hard. Well, you'll get somebody in bodybuilding who doesn't have a bodybuilding physique at all and they're like, oh, I can do that with enough drugs. I can do that or I can do this. Like, listen. I support fitness goals. I support being the best version of yourself and being able to strive for to strive to be better and better. However, those expectations need to be in check. Where I see people that are born a Volkswagen Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle stock, and they think they're going to look like a Ferrari in three or four years. Listen, doesn't matter how many chemicals you use, doesn't matter how long you're going to diet, you're never going to look like a Ferrari. Where some people look, some people are just born a Ferrari and they sprinkle a little bit of gear and they're winning everything. And they're like, that guy must be taking a lot of gear. No Kimosabe. He's taking like a quarter of what you're taking. He's just born with those types of genetics. So I think that's where the problem lies a lot of times in our industry with health and chemical use and the extremists of diets is that like, oh, you want to look like that person or lump close to, you're going to have to do this, this, and this, and this. And people will just go ahead and take that pill, uh, so to speak, and what goes along with that, not understanding the vast consequences to your health and the appearance of your physique. Um, and, and some people, I, I feel, just are not cut out for it 
mentally and physically. And the problem with the physical part is they view drugs, gear, supplementation, and other things that bodybuilders do as that answer to get them where that person is who was close to being born that way. I've had clients cheat in their diet the entire prep, use one chemical, and win the entire show. And like, that's just their genetics. Missing cardio 50% of the time. I mean, I, I'm not going to say who, but this person's a professional now and he's doing very well. But like at the time I was helping them, it, it was like that. And I've had other people natural right out of the gate. First show, win an NPC overall, 100% natural. But there's people who are using so much crap and they're placing fifth. But they're going to keep doing that and doing that and doing that thinking that that's the answer. And I think that's where some people need to take into consideration the lines of what they're doing to themselves in the short term, not understanding the full consequences or implications that would come after. Again, I'm all for trying to be the best version as you can be. But some people got to understand that if you have a physique that looks like, say, Branch Warren, we're not, not repping on Branch Warren, but like where you're grainy or hard, you're never going to look round and full like a Phil Heath. The genetics separate people's appearance a lot. You're not going to be able to change your look to look a certain specific way like another person. Stay in your own lane. Focus on your own progression of getting better every year. Um, but th- that's, I think, where things become dangerous because there's always going to be a coach or somebody out there saying, oh, I can do that for you. Pay me money. And then out comes the DNP, the T3, the Clen, 800 calories a day, tons of diuretics. You know, like, And that's where it comes. And then after the fact, when the person's done competing, they're an absolute health mess, you know? I, I think you, you worded that very well, <clears throat> that like some people, you know, they're just not built. So when I was probably like 11 or 12 years old, I watched Vince Carter at the dunk contest, put his arm in the rim. And I, you know, <laughs> I bought I bought the Vince Carter jersey. I bought the shoes. I went out to my driveway and I tried as much as I could to put my arm in the rim. I jumped as high as I could. I kept trying over and over again. But my 11-year-old brain understood, okay, maybe I'm not Vince Carter. But for some reason, these bodybuilders, they're like, you know what? Like you said, with the DMP, with the Clen, with the Tren, all this, I can be Vince Carter. I can still be Vince Carter one day. Yeah, you can't. can't. It just ain't there. It ain't there. Some people just <laughs> built different. The best analogy I tell some of my clients, and, and I – get them. It's like, what happens if you take a Volkswagen Beetle and you put 50 grand of modifications into it? Is that engine going to go 100,000 miles? No. No. Okay, you buy a Ferrari and you leave it stock. Maybe just add an exhaust. Is that going to go 100,000 miles? Easily. So when people make the example, well, so-and-so has been doing this his whole life. He's still alive. Dude, don't get it, man. Don't get it. It, it, it just That's where people just need to be real, be real careful. You know, especially as we're, what we're seeing now in the industry with a lot of deaths. And I say this all the time, not trying to be morbid, but I predict a catastrophic increase in deaths in the next 10, 15 years, especially the bodybuilders and amateurs of today, because what people are doing today is insane. <clears throat> Those increased deaths, do you see that from, are you saying like active bodybuilders while they're competing or are you talking about? the people who are competing now 10 to 15 years down the line? Uh, people are competing now 10, 15 years down the line because, you know, okay. obviously as many people know that the stuff that bodybuilders do, it's not necessarily going to kill you like today, tomorrow. 
it's one of those things that you do. It's going to have ramifications later in life. So like in their forties, fifties. Um, but I mean, already near me, oh, in yeah, my state, you know, that, in my state, <laughs> I've had two people. I know two people who passed away under the age of 31, uh, right in New York. A couple people who are young in their twenties passed away. I don't know what they're doing, but they're with some top coaches, but we don't hear those names, you know? Yeah. Like even like I could see that, um, 10 to 15 years down the line of the active, but I could even see sooner the way I've seen some people's blood work come to me as a new client. And like, you know, we have, you're looking at markers where it's like irreversible damage. Like you should just stop. You shouldn't do this anymore. Kind of damage. Um, but then, then, but that's the one thing. There's always that coach that's going to be like, eh, it's all right. Come on. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, You're yeah. only a little oh, yeah. elevated. You're only a little elevated. <laughs> I heard somebody. Your means I only like, 2.5. Yeah, no big deal. No big, just drink more water. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, I had a, somebody, an individual come to me, an older guy, and I requested lab work. I'm like, I need blood pressure checked four times a week. I want the average in my check-ins. And he's like, oh, you're the first coach in like 20 years who's ever asked me for blood work or blood pressure. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. No, I, I don't know how someone – I would I would, ne- I would feel I, – I would quit tomorrow if something that I recommended or suggested to somebody and they got hurt. Like I don't know how people don't – that doesn't cross their mind. Like, wow, this potentially might not be a – this potentially might be a bad decision for a plastic trophy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, a trophy that costs $15 and the rest of your life you're going to have to be doing all this medical bills, all this stuff that – was it worth it? Like at the end of the day, <laughs> no, I know. And, and the thing is this: in, in bodybuilding too, there are people that ha- do have that true body dysmorphic disorder, where it's similar to anorexia, where like they legitimately cannot let it go, and they know they're dying, and they don't care. Um, I've had some clients reach out to me who have full fledged kidney failure, and they because I'm an RD, their idea their idea was that I was somehow going to fix their kidneys so they can return to bodybuilding. So when they send me their lab work, I'm like, dude, you're done. You're cooked. Like your overall focus right now is to maintain your current kidney health as long as you can before you get your transplant because you're going to need one. It's just not going to happen in a year or two, but within five, 100%. So your idea is to drop body weight, change your diet, change your lifestyle to prolong that because you guys know it's like once someone's on dialysis, their life expectancy is pretty low. Yeah. And if they get a, if they get a kidney transplant – um, and they have to take all the medications. It's like it's not like you're going to be full fledged ripping a bunch of gear again. And these people believe that they're like, oh no, well I'm going to work with somebody else. Okay, dude. Okay, pal. Yeah. Um, it, one thing too that I've noticed that kind of like it steers me the wrong way. I kind of I have an issue when people post their blood work and try to deem it like as good, like. I could post my blood work tomorrow and my blood work came back really well this last time. But that just like, what are you trying to prove to other people at that point? Because everybody is definitely metabolizes things differently is more resilient. Some people than others, like, you know, there's some things that don't affect people the other way, but it's almost like a ploy to like, say like, it's okay to take X amount all the time because you know, my blood works fine. Yeah. They think, just because your blood works normal, that there's no damage being done. Like my father's physician, he tells me all the time, Chris, 
I've had multiple people come in with blood work that are perfect and have a heart attack the next day. Like it just because your lab works are in check doesn't mean there's other things that are going on because it's not like, first of all, your general comprehensive metabolic panel with the CBC and lipids tell the full story because there's tons of other lab work that you can do and check that can determine that. And also, you know, people are checking their blood work probably when they're, when they're on break on DRT. They're not checking it two weeks out from a show or even worse, two days after a show. After so that's, that's when I got mine done. No way. That's good for you. Good for I got, you. I, I competed on Saturday in Florida, flew home Sunday to Michigan, went and got my blood work done Monday morning. Oh, that must have been interesting. It, you know what? It was because some of the markers were so good that I was shocked. <laughs> Did you binge eat at all or no? No, no. Uh, I was going to say, binge eating, I don't know. If I, dude, I used to get my blood work done all the time just to experiments. I remember one time for uh, Christmas break, I had three days in a row with family dinners. And I'm like, man, I've been eating so much food. I'm going to get my lab work done tomorrow. I checked my hemoglobin A1C. I checked all these blood sugar parameters, inflammatory markers. Everything was through the roof, and I wasn't on anything. <laughs> I think I, go, I think you've talked about it, like how bad binge eating actually is. It's horrible. It's horrible. My fasting blood glucose is one thirty-seven. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh no! <laughs> and it's like I'm like my my triglycerides were way up, and then I repeated the same lab work again in a week, and then my triglycerides and everything went back to normal. But like three days of eating cookies and family stuff. It's like, dude, you get your lab work done right away after all that. Chris, something I'm curious now that you, you mentioned the the people who come to you and they're, you know, in kidney failure or whatever it may be. What, what does that conversation look like with that person to try and get them away from what, like transitioning them out of bodybuilding after 10, 15 years where it's been the entirety of who they are. How do you go well, into that conversation? Yeah, well, that's a tough one. I'll tell you, most people don't take it to it because remember, just like how many times you hear people go to the doctor, the doctor tells them something, and then they're going around the gym asking people in the gym what they think. It's like you're asking gym goers about your health from what your cardiologist told you because you don't like what your cardiologist told you. So you're trying to find somebody to give you the answer you want to hear. So people know that. So they'll reach out and I'll tell them flat out, like, you're going to have to transition to something else. Is there anything else that you like to do? Oh, well, I like this. Okay. Maybe you should start going back into riding motorcycles. Maybe you should go back into playing baseball, go back into something that you used to, because you have to replace it with something. But most people, honestly, once they're at that point, they don't want to let it go and they will try to find somebody else that's going to tell them what they want to hear do support what they want to do so they can continue to live out their last little bit of kidney health until it's, until it's too late or cooked. Um, but since a lot of people know that I'm done bodybuilding and I have been since December and I've been doing more boxing and enjoying other aspects of life, people have reached out to me and a couple of pros too. And they said, wow, like, you know, uh, you, what you're, what you're going through, I want to know more about it because I want to stop too, but I'm afraid to. Because like you said, it's become your identity for 15 years. You're, I've been known for the big guy for the last 15 years and now you're not going to be the big guy. And people are going to be like, oh, what happened? And, and I tell them like, listen, man, it's like, dude, it's just a phase of life. You can't be a bodybuilder and you're huge forever. 
And there's so much more to life that has to offer. Life has so much to offer. There's so many things to do and experience. And there's so many other things that you really like, you might like to do that you could do sustainably for 20 years after your body starts to show signs of wear and tear. But like, you got to be able to go out and experience new things, to find new things, to be able to transition. You can't just be like one day, be like, I'm not going to bodybuild. I'm going to go do this. I'm fine now. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it should be like a slow progression, um, but you know, basically easing off the gas pedal and moving into something else that you can dive into. Um, the hardest part, I think, is people's social network too has been built around bodybuilding. So now you're not into bodybuilding. Um, personally, I've always been March of the drum of your own beat kind of person. So it doesn't bother me to like, I go fit in with the guys at the, at the gun store, you know, shooting guns. I got fit into the guys down at the boxing things and the MMA gyms, even though the guys are all like rail toothpicks, you know what I mean? Um, just a different type of mentality, but I have no problem with that. Some people still can't, they have that insecurity there, you know, where losing that mass. I mean, dude, I'm down 45 pounds from May, 2019. Uh, May 2020, you know, but like, <laughs> I'm so much happier. <laughs> I think I think how people is, like how you. How is your arm doing? How does your arm uh, with all the boxing and stuff? The arm's fine. The arm's fine. It's my jab hand from my tricep constantly that 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 smacking over and over again that the muscles aren't used to doing. So I had to deal with that. But I I'm southpaw, so it's my left arm, my left hook. Everything's fine in that left arm completely. It's it's the right arm that's actually giving me problems. <laughs> I wonder how many uh, high-level bodybuilders like yourself, um, Jordan Peters as well, is kind of transitioning away from body. Actually, I don't know if Jordan is really transitioning away from bodybuilding. He kind of like seems like he's still doing it. He seems like he's he's getting a little cold feet and jumping back in. Some of the videos I've seen from him recently. But transitioning away from from bodybuilding, I wonder how many more we'll see like that as these kind of health scares continue to uh, to pop up. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know, man. I, you know how it is. I used to be a big partier, believe it or not, like back way back in high school. And you know how the mentality of those types of people is. Oh well, so and so has been smoking cigarettes and weed since they're ninety. They're still alive. They're pointing out that like that one person, like the the small 2% that does a particular risky behavior their whole life and makes it, but they ignore like the hundred million people who die from lung cancer every year. That's your bodybuilders fall. You know, well, uh, nah, it won't happen to me. I, I'm fine. I get my labs checked. My doctor knows what's going on. <laughs> it, it, that's what they do because I hear it all the time because anytime somebody passes away, I'm blown away in the comment section. People are like, oh, I'm shocked. I'm no, shocked you're that you're shocked. You're a liar. I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then they'll then in conversation conversations they'll be like, yeah, well, so and so, I heard so and so had a pre-existing problem or or so and so had this. Dude, almost everybody has some type of predisposition. Look at your grandparents, look at your own parents. That that, that those predispositions will be exacerbated by a lot of the behaviors that we do now. So like People tend to justify their action, make themselves feel better by getting blood work done. Oh, it's fine. I'm good. Wait, are you going to check it on your cycle? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, but, but why? Because of course it's going to be normal when you're back to normal. But what is it doing when you're actually beating the hell out of yourself? You know, 
So I, I honestly don't – I think it's going to be a while before people really change. I think the recent passings have made an impact on some people because I've had so many DMs about questions about lab work. What should I do? Is this dangerous? And I'm like, dude, like – and I try to tell them and direct the best I can. But I mean people don't understand that what they're doing, it's a risk to your body. You, you are taking a risk. There is no side effect-free drug. There's no. There's going to be side effects and ramifications from the behaviors that we do now. That's fact. So don't don't think that just because you're eating broccoli twice a day and you're taking your Tudka and you're taking your all your supplements for your heart and your heart supplements that somehow you're gonna you're gonna be okay. It's gonna negate the effects of high blood pressure and anadrol. It's just not. You know, like I love my favorite thing I hear all the time. I'm like, dude, that that that's a pretty high dose of orals there. I'm all right. I take milk thistle. I'm okay. <laughs> I just doubled the dose. Okay, pal. Okay. Oh, man. It's tough. Flawless, man. It's tough. flawless it's tough. bodybuilder logic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really is their logic. That's what. That's how they. That's how they think. It's one step yeah, logic. Like this herb is gonna. This herb is gonna block the the. 17 alpha alkylated uh, yeah. chemical I'm putting in my body. <laughs> and, and this is what gets me too. And this is where ed, this is where education has taught me. When I hear people go, oh, you know, I read about this herb. This herb reverses a damage, you know, effects of damaged heart in the, in the left ventricle. And it does this and does that. And I'm like, do you think if it did that, don't you think the FDA would grab that, make it illegal to be sold in supplements? And make billions on it because the drug is – the herb is so effective. Oh, I guess you're right. It's like you're not finding anything that's going to be some sort of secret, dude. Like there's people that study this all day long to make money. So like if the drug really did work, it would be taken off the market. Just like NAC is being taken off the market. <laughs> yep. All right, Dom. Did I miss anything? Any points that you wanted to uh... – Bring up before we put a bow on this sucker. And no, I'm good. It's always good talking to Chris. Always. Yeah, it's good talking to you too, buddy. Chris, where uh, where can the people where can the people find you? Where can they reach out to you for coaching things like that? Yeah. Well, so first off, let everybody know that I, I'm not taking any new clients right now. I have an extensive wait list at the moment. I do apologize. Um, my emails uh, nutrition for you ct. It's all spelled out at gmail.com. You can obviously click the link on my Instagram page to email you through there. Uh, DMs are tough because I get so many in a day. I can't answer always all of them. I have a website, Total Nutrition. Um, and I'm also working on a fla- a water flavor enhancer um, currently now because, you know, so many people in general don't drink enough water and they need incentive to. So I've been working on something that's going to be a water enhancer with a little bit more flavor enhancer, a little bit more than your typical uh, Mio and Crystal Light. So I'll be happy to announce that when everything is all squared away. Um, but one last message I want to say to everybody listening. is like, listen, I'm not deterring anybody from bodybuilding. I just You, you just got to make sure you guys are with – you're getting the right advice. You're, you're thinking rationally. You're not letting your emotions take over your decisions because you're too impatient. Um, being patient, being very smart and methodical is how you're going to progress the most. Um, you know, Some of this podcast, we might be a little condescending in type of way to how people are in the industry. But – the thing of the reality it is there's a lot of consequences that people are going to pay from the actions they take. Just make sure you're getting the right advice. You're doing the right thing because bodybuilding is a small percent of your life. It really is. 
And you can still make a lot of ground and do very well without doing a lot of these risky things that people are doing. I can't wrap it up any better than that. So guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. We will see you on the next one. As always, hit those YouTube buttons, like, comment, subscribe, those kind of things. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Until then, stay gifted. See you. Awesome.